Welcome to the Beauty Inspires Beauty Podcast, where I've made it my mission to help beauty professionals, creative and independent entrepreneurs like you find the tools, inspiration, and motivation to unlock the abundant life you know you are meant to be living. Each week, you can expect epic guests and solo episodes sharing every tool, trick, and skill set I've learned on my own 20-year journey to grow and scale your life and business. I'm your host, Jessica Bergio, former salon owner turned beauty business mentor and crazy multi-passionate entrepreneur, here to share incredible stories and insight about how others got started and the unconventional path they took to get there. My goal is to inspire you to reach your business and life goals with confidence to achieve your dream life through creating non-negotiables and boundaries without sacrificing your personal well-being and relationships. I know firsthand how real burnout can be. So if you're ready to stop the overwhelm and get clear and focused, you're in the right place, babe. Let's jump right in. Hello, hello, and welcome back to the Beauty Inspires Beauty Podcast. I'm your host, Jessica Bergio. Today, I'm super honored to have Rob Mack in the house. He is a happiness coach, and I I don't know if I stumbled upon him or if somehow he was placed in my path on social media to follow because happiness peace has been something that I have been searching for recently in my enlightened personal growth discovery. So he fell on my lap, and I've been following him ever since and just took the leap of faith and asked him to be on the podcast today. So welcome to the show, Rob. Thanks so much for having me. I'm so honored to be here. Yeah. So people like you are intimidating for people like me to interview. So you guys know I am new to the podcast world, but it's in trying things. It's in putting yourself out there. It's in asking people to show up for you that you get the yeses and you get opportunities to interview people like Rob. So again, super honored to have him. Rob, do you prefer Rob or Robert? Um, both are perfect. You can't get it wrong. I mean, I promise whatever you call me today, people have called me something worse probably five minutes ago behind my back. So don't worry about it. You can't get it wrong. But my friends mostly call me Rob. Well, they say if people talk behind your back that you've made it. So I would say- They do go. There you go. I don't have any haters yet that I know of. So I, I guess I'm still working my way up there. Um, <laughs> well, you seem very hard to hate. Very love. easy to love. Yeah. My mom said you you can kill more, you know, with honey. What is that saying? You get more- Bees. These with honey? Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> Go mom. Explain to us these, this, for, I want to just dive right in because you have a positive psychology degree. Can you explain, like they, they didn't give me that to check off when I went to school. So I don't remember seeing that as something yeah. I could learn about. And that's because it wasn't available um, for most of us. I mean, I, so positive psychology is the study and science of what makes life worth living. So it was really founded, the entire discipline was founded by a guy named Martin Seligman. And you might remember him because he conducted a lot of research and studies on learned helplessness and depression. And what he ultimately found was that if you remove the dysfunction from people, like the weaknesses from people or anything that's going wrong with them, if you remove all that, you don't get a happy, thriving individual. You just get one who's surviving. You get like a flatlining individual. So we thought... on this entire field and psychology and so there's a master's program which is an applied positive psychology out of the university of pennsylvania so yeah it's only 15 16 17 years old um so it's new uh, for the most part it combines lots of different disciplines of psychology including cognitive psychology and behavioral psychology and uh, humanistic psychology, study and science of happiness to a large extent, more than that, but happiness. That's wild. So when, when you were growing up, where, where did that curiosity come from that made you want to get into a career like that? And what did you think you would be doing with that degree? Yeah, you know, when I grew up, I was the most unhappy, stressed out, anxious, probably self-loathing kid you could ever imagine. I remember being unhappy basically at birth or my first memory was just being really unhappy, you know, and I always thought I would grow out of it. You know, you're like, well, I'll eventually have some girlfriends and I'll, and I'll make some friends and I'll maybe be a professional basketball player. I always wanted to do that and be that and I'll make some money and things will change. I'll be happy. You know, that will solve all of my problems. And that didn't happen exactly. Um, you know, what happened was I just got more and more depressed and then I became um, suicidal 
And that suicidal ideation led me to do research. I decided I was going to slash my wrist. So I went to the kitchen, got a kitchen knife and slashed my wrist. Still have the suicide test marks to this day. And something strange and unpredictable happened at that moment, though. Like when you're digging the, the knife into your wrist, at least for me, I didn't expect to feel what I felt next, which was like peace and joy and uh, like a sense of well-being. It was very odd to me, you know? And so I decided at that moment I was going to postpone the suicide thing. And I was going to do a little research, see what was going on with myself there. And I had only committed to like 15 minutes, okay? It wasn't like, you know, days or years. It was just like 15 minutes. And I wasn't even fully committed to that. I was like, we'll see, you know? But I started doing some research and I discovered that like, first, I wasn't alone. And second, you know, there were people out there who were a lot smarter than me, who had dedicated their entire lives to solving for unhappiness. Mm -hmm. And there were probably some things I could learn from them. So I began to do more and more of that research. And so that 15 minutes bled into several hours, then several days. And back now, it's been several decades. Um, you know, and over the course of that time, um, read a lot of books. I've applied a lot of the teachings as much as I could. I started keeping a journal. That journal eventually became a book, which is now Happiness from the Inside Out. And, you know, along the way, I discovered this master's in applied positive psychology program, opened a private practice, and that's sort of how it all unfolded. That is wild. And I... <laughs> I really feel like I know people say cliche things like your message, your message and all of that jazz. And it's like, honestly, it's unexplainable people that deal with anxiety and depression. And I, I can't even for a moment ex understand what it's like. And I have been with somebody in a relationship that had suffered from that. And I think if you don't truly understand what it feels like, it's very hard to sympathize or to understand or to even help somebody who is going through something like that. It is truly something internally that you have to figure out on your own, much like any other addiction or things going on in your life. Like you have to decide that it's something you're gonna change, figure out. And I think when we're educated about something it gives us so much more power around the thing. And so what a beautiful turn of events that that moment for you led into like, holy shit. Yeah, it's, you nailed it. I mean, Jessica, it's so beautifully said and spoken um, like the enlightened master that you are. I mean, because the truth is, is that I, the entire time while I was going through all this depression and suicidal ideation, I was also very much wanting to be clear about what my purpose in my life was. Like that was a huge piece of it. Like I'm, I was like, what's the point of me living? What's the, I have no purpose. And interestingly enough, that, purpose what's hidden within those problems within that problem right of unhappiness I mean it was the problem of unhappiness that led me to the purpose of being a happiness coach right it's wild and so all the, the whole time it was right there under my nose and yes it felt at the time very poorly wrapped right this gift um but you're absolutely right I mean it is a cliche your mess can become your message or your mess is your message but cliches become cliches for a reason and that's because they're often true or at least have partial truth Definitely. I, I couldn't agree more with that. And I feel like, you know, anybody that I've seen take an off thing and make it into a career, like you have to, you have to have had some experience in something in order to teach it or share it or mentor somebody. You, you can't have not lived something like that and then say, Hey, I'm not an expert in this when you've never experienced it. Oh, Jessica. So good. Like you, you nailed it. So here, here's the thing. And I love that so much because it's true. You know, we have enough people that can talk the talk. We have enough people that can parrot back things they've read, things they've heard. We need more people that are living the message, that can walk the walk, right? We don't need to hear another sermon as much as we need to see one, right? And so that's the challenge and opportunity, I think, for all of us is like, you know, of course, discovering your purpose and then sharing it with the world, but also doing it from a place of real authenticity. And, and where, so there's so much stigma behind keeping things like that private and kind of not sharing things with the world. Like when would you say you became okay when open with Jimmy, you just straight from the gate shared that with us, which I'm honored that you did because I feel like that's one of the beautiful things about being able to ask questions that you never know what's going to come out of somebody's mouth. And like, I, I just honor you for being able to share that. I think once you learned, like you said, that you weren't alone, you think it was kind of in that moment that you were like, if I talk about this, then maybe it will become not such a thing? Yeah, you know, a great question. It's like, I've never been asked that question before and I've been doing this for quite some time, Jessica. So you are very good at what you do. I, you know, um, uh, let me put it this way. Um, I didn't share my unhappiness, depression and suicidal ideation, even my own family for years and years after I was sort of on the path to recovery around it, mm -hmm. if, you, if, if you will. So um, 
I only began to write about it. And then I never really thought, I don't think the book would be published, but then the book was published. And then the story was in there. At least part of the story was in there. And I literally remember being up at like a Barnes and Noble, giving a talk. And like at the beginning of the talk, I had to kind of share why I was there beyond the book, you know, and my parents were there and they're like, oh my gosh, they're like hearing it for the first time. And God bless my parents because they're just the most incredible people ever. But it, I can't say in the beginning, I was very intentional about it, just sort of happened somewhat organically. And then what you discover, of course, is that for me, my heart around this happiness thing has always been, I'll, I'll, I'll call it the right place, but another way of saying that is a selfish place, meaning that I wanted to get happy just for me. And when I started sharing my story around happiness, it was genuinely just to help people feel happier. And so I never really thought too much about, oh my gosh, I just put myself all the way out there, except for this time at the bookstore when it was like my book tour and my first talk, you know, but after that, I mean, I really don't feel any recoil around it or reactivity around it. I think because I genuinely, genuinely, genuinely like and want people to be happy. Like I just want them to be happy, you know? Well, and honestly, like they say, if you can't fill up your own cup first, you're really not going to be able to help other people. And so that's one of the things I coach and teach on is like boundaries, non-negotiables. And that starts with like what you need and what you want. And like, as a woman, as a mom, like you really, everybody else comes first. And I feel like teaching people that worrying about what the fuck they want to do is way more important because if you're good like that energy is just going to roll off on other people and that's what I think drew me to you when I just started listening to you when you're in your car and you're just talking and sharing your happiness thoughts I'm like yes he freaking gets it it's like sometimes you come from a place of frustration or there's like more to it than just like spreading positive it's like listen no if you you literally can change your thought patterns you know Dr. Joe Dispenza like I listen to a lot of his stuff and I'm like if only someone had taught us this growing up that we had a choice on how we felt like, Hey, you, do you, you want to be happy with me? Okay, cool. Let's go be happy. Like we, <laughs> rather than we, we bond through like commiserating. And I find that even as I know guys do it too, but chicks do it way more where we're like, Oh my God. And then there's these stories that get told. And then that's how you bond with people. It happened to me the other day with some woman. And I thought to myself, she's not trying to talk shit. She's trying to, connect with me and I was literally like yeah yo we're not going to be friends because you don't get it and I'm not here to teach you that a you're not my client and be like it was one of those moments where I thought to myself okay I guess I do have boundaries now because as great as you seem like I'm we're not I can't do this with you you seem happy but what you're talking about isn't isn't creating happiness within me and so that's something like I mean I don't even have that in my questions today but boundaries around the people that you keep in order to keep your happiness where you need it to be. Like, how do you, in the world that you live in, we'll just say the celebrity world, like how do you keep your bubble safe like that? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. And maybe there are levels to it. I, so, so I'll say a couple of things. I, um, in the beginning, when you're really just embarking or becoming aware that you're embarking on this happiness journey where it's like, I want to be happy and I want to be at peace and I want to have healthy relationships when you're just, that's, that's when it's really important to be very careful and mindful and selective about who you spend time with. Right. Like, you know, because you just can't take on that energy. It's like, you know, working out in the gym. It's like, if you have an injury, take some time off. Or if you're just getting to the gym, you don't want to try and put up 500 pounds, start with the five pounders. Right. And so that's the idea in the beginning that, being said, over time, I've gotten better because I was sort of a people pleaser by nature. So I always want to take everyone on and let everyone be a part of, you know, and then you realize that doesn't work very well for anyone. And you can often love people better from a distance. So the way I think about it is, you know, first and foremost, like you said, I want to do everything humanly possible to take care of my own happiness, peace, and self-love. But after a certain period of time, I find that actually people who don't want to be happy tend to be pretty quickly repelled by me, <laughs> you know? And if they're not like freedom seekers and freedom givers, it doesn't work out so well, you know? Cause they're like, Rob, it's been two hours. You haven't texted me back. And it's like, you know, three days later or whatever, when I do text them back, not because I'm avoiding them, but just because that's when I got to it and I was just enjoying my life. Then, you know, I don't have any complaints about that. And I say, hey, no expectations, only appreciation. And I know that was your experience. And this is where I'm at in my life. And I can appreciate you not wanting to be friends with me if that's what it means for you, but you'll always be a friend toward, you know, in my perspective, I'll always see you as a friend. I'll always treat you friendly in a friendly manner. So for me, it's mostly about, um, I don't, um, I, I love bound. Um, yes, I get boundaries. I love boundaries. Absolutely. But for me, it's, um, 
I don't know. I'm just as sincere, but less serious about it. It's like, this is who I am. This is how I show up. And I'm going to love you either way, whether you like the way I show up or not. Um, for me, it's about the love. So, so yeah, I guess um, it helps when you're busy anyway, right? We all stay busy. And so it kind of has people sort of weeding themselves out of your life. Um, but yeah, boundaries are critically important. And I love to point around it. And I would say they're boundaries, not walls, totally. right? So the question for me is like, how can I love this person in the greatest possible way? Sometimes from a distance. <laughs> I can love a lot of people better from a distance. Totally. But that had to have come with time because if you are like a recovering people pleaser slash I'm a bit of a perfectionist at times too, where you don't want people to not like you. So you want to say yes to certain things that you probably had to grow into that place where you can be like unapologetically yourself. Like, you know, this can't, I'm not, it's not against you. It's me putting me first. And so I guess, That's right. I, guess That's right. I feel like, do you feel like men have a slight disadvantage to being able to kind of do that over women? Um, I'm, yeah, it's a great, it's a great question. I, I'd say that, um, it just manifests itself differently, expresses itself differently. I think as human beings, we all um, suffer and struggle through the same problems, um, basically, mostly, but they're expressed, they manifest differently for all of us, right? And sometimes those differences manifest along gender lines. Absolutely. Um, I would say that as a guy, um, you know, probably, yeah, it just manifests differently. I think guys will tend to get angry with you. You know, at least my experience is they get angry with me or whatever, and then they forget about it, you know, 24 hours later. It's like, hey, let's go do something else. And, you know, whereas I think, um, you know, that's not always the case with all guys or all women. So a little different there. Yeah. Can you walk us through how, okay, so you go to school, you get your degree for this. What was your goal in doing that? Was it to have that practice that you opened? Is that what you wanted to like sit face to face with clients like this and help them discover ways to be happier? Yeah, you know, I was never really that clear, Jessica. I mean, I, I just knew that I wanted to- like, honest, because I feel like a lot of people get into certain things and they're not super clear, but they just have like a nudge. And it's like, like you said, you wanted to learn more, but- Yeah, I mean, um, and this will resonate with religious people and I'll, re I'll repeat it for folks that aren't religious, but like, I'm only alive by the grace of God. <laughs> like I only have a roof over my head and shelter and clothing and a practice and work that I love by the grace of God. I mean, honestly, um, in my heart of hearts, I just wanted to be happy. And I knew that Penn was a great place to go to school. And I knew that it probably couldn't hurt to have this Ivy League degree in my pocket. And I thought maybe it'd be nice to have a private practice, but I couldn't make up my mind about any of that until I got really clear and said, I just want to be happy. So if I can learn something in this class or this course that will make me or help me become happy, that's enough. And if I find that I have a private practice as a result of that, that's successful, well, that's icing on the cake. So for me, it was really mostly always, I mean, all the books I read, it's like, cause I'm selfish, I'm a hedonist. I like feeling good. So I just kind of follow that path and then things kind of lit up and unfolded organically as a result of that. Okay, is that what that word means? That you just like, is he, I didn't, I don't think I know that. Yeah, like hedonistic <laughs> sort of means like a pleasure seeker, you know, I'm a, oh, okay. I'm a pleasure seeker in the deepest way. I'm, I'm gonna you know, get tested next. That's what I'm yes. saying. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so walk us through. So we, we've got the practice. But this is a question I need to ask before I, I get down the rabbit hole of all the cool things you've gotten to do since to practice. Many people, I feel like, believe that happiness is like an outside person's job. Like, like the thing you started with, if I have this and that, then that, then I will be happy. So many people go through life letting things disrupt their peace, their happiness. Like I'm, it's, it's been a, a practice of mine with learning breath work and all of that in the near, in the recent future to deal with like anger or frustration or disappointment, any of the things that are not happiness. So you know, again, being able to change your belief pattern, but like, what is it for people who really truly believe that mindset that think outside shit is what's going to make them happy? How do you even start to have that conversation with the client that sits down with you or a coaching client around yeah. changing that mindset that it's not out, it's in? Yeah. So two ways. Um, the, the truest, fullest, deepest answer is I don't try to change their idea, their mind. I don't even try. Um, the one way to get them to not change their mind is to try hard to get them to change their mind right um so so like i don't try um i just let them i just mirror back to them and reflect back to them their own thoughts and ideas and feelings at my best that's what i do i'm a mirror essentially okay and i try to do that without judgment or criticism or condemnation or without a desire to teach or fix a whole lot there's more power in transformation and just being presence being present but being in the presence itself i'd say so that's the truest deepest answer now what often happens in the scheme of that is that sometimes people begin to see through their own thoughts, ideas, and stories. And so a simple question I love asking, and it's an honest one is, 
well, how's that working for you? Is, you know, has it been working? In what ways has it been working? In what ways has it not been working? Curious, genuinely curious. I don't know. I want to be proven wrong. It'd be great if I can go buy just the right stuff or enough stuff and be happy. Like in lots of ways, I'm like, yes, please. If you're the, I would love for someone to come along and say, that's what works for me and I'm good. But I think the challenge and opportunity for most of us is just to simply reflect back and let people hear their own wisdom or in other cases, their own ignorance, right? It's okay without judgment about that. So I would say that, um, you know, really beginning to look through the thoughts, the ideas and the stories we have about happiness and really do a little forensic. So look back into the past and say, you know, when you had that experience that you felt you want so many, so much more of, or you wish were, were different, when you've had precisely what you wanted, did you find yourself lastingly and meaningfully and abidingly happier or happy? And most people, if they're really honest, will say, well, no, that's why I'm here, Rob. And I'll say, interesting, <laughs> right? So if we look closely enough, we'll discover that, you know, if it was just through fulfilling or the fulfillment of desire that we could find happiness, most of us would be happy already. I mean, look at how much stuff we all have that we once only prayed for, that we once begged for, that we once had a vision board for. I mean, it's unbelievable the things that I've accomplished, achieved, or acquired. And it's also unbelievable how quickly that pleasure from all those things fades, right? So it's just a little bit of paying attention. And um, I try not to do too much of the work for people. That's good. Yeah, I think just changing the language around like what you said, like, I do think people have an awareness that it isn't the stuff that will make them happy, but I think people, it's more around getting thrown off of being happy. Like if you can be in that state of happiness, yet something so stupid, like you, you know, traffic or your kid wasn't doing what they were supposed to. It's like, people can pull you out of that bubble. And I think there's a misconception. I, I mean, I read that it was, you know, I don't know if it was like one of the guys who meditates all the time. Um, he's like, I'm not always in meditation. It's like a practice that I have to keep putting myself back into in that state of happiness. You don't just walk around happy 24 seven. There are moments in time where you're pulled out of that, but having the tools to get yourself back in that. Are there some tools that you use that people can have like today when they listen to the show to take away? Yeah, for sure. So, and you make a great point, which is that um, practice is necessary, right? And I like to think about practice as play. It doesn't have to be painful. You don't have to suffer through it. It doesn't have to be hard work. It's play. You can enjoy it and you should enjoy it. And so um, there's four ways of describing this and I'll start with the low-hanging fruit. So in the beginning of our journey, we always talk about happiness as being what you do. So you can create a happiness islands list and those are people, places, things, activities that with very little time, energy or effort allow you to feel inspired, uplifted, excited, just happy to be alive. So you create a happiness islands list. Those are things that you want to integrate, schedule, weave into your day more frequently. The opposite of that is the happiness valleys or happiness desert list. Those are people, places, things, activities that just drain you. Okay, they suck the life out of you. You want to outsource, delegate, reduce, eliminate, automate or regulate as much of that as humanly possible. Okay, so that's the first step. Happiness is what you do. Now, you, at some point you graduate beyond that because you realize, wait, it's one thing I thought I loved, I don't love anymore, or I only love certain times. So then you come around it, well, happiness is who I spend time with. Same idea there, right? You wanna try and eliminate the people that suck the life and energy out of you, try to stick, stay with the people that don't, that energize you, uplift you, inspire you, love you. Then you get to a place and you graduate and you say, well, maybe it's not happiness is what you do or happiness is only who you spend time with, but maybe happiness is what you think, which is also true to some level. So then you start telling yourself better feeling stories based in truth about everything in your life and everybody in your life, including especially yourself, simply for the point of feeling better, right? No matter what, you want to tell the better feeling story. So it's like, I'm not broke. Instead, I can only go up from here, right? Or it's not a bad day. It's just raining, right? But you find ways to tell better feeling stories based in truth. But then you eventually graduate from this idea, even that happiness is a state of mind, and you come around to recognizing that, it's, that happiness is a state of no mind or happiness is a state of being. Mm -hmm. By that, I mean, even with the most positive thinking, you eventually discover that underneath it is still this low level anxiety, this low level stress that always seems to disturb your peace and your happiness. And you never really feel totally, fully happy or fulfilled, right? So then you come to a place where you practice this last, probably cheat code or master key, which is micromeditation. Micromeditation is just one breath that you take for the joy of 
the joy of it alone. And you take that one breath, let all your thoughts go, take it from the stomach, and you try to juice or milk that one breath for as much joy as you can possibly get out of it. And you do that by reminding yourself that this might be the last moment you ever have on earth. Like really mean it, really try to feel that through, that this might be the last moment I have. And so you can practice that micromeditation throughout the day as often as you remember, but only for the joy of it, not to get good at it, not to be spiritual, not to be you know moral, none of that. Just because you're so selfish, you just wanna be good or you just wanna feel good for one moment. So if you can practice doing that for about 22, 21 to 66 days, you can literally rewire your brain to do it more automatically. That, I, why have I never heard of a micro meditation before? That's like, okay. New I, know you don't, I know you don't hear much about it. And it's interesting because most people tell you, well, go meditate. But it's like, you ever try meditating for like an hour or 30 minutes or even, even 30 seconds? If you're a beginner, it feels like so painful. It's so hard. It's like, what am I doing? Am I doing it right? And so I discovered because I sucked at meditation that one breath I could do and I could do perfectly in a perfectly effective way every single time. It was easy to let my thoughts go and to really enjoy one breath, even though I was standing in line or taking a shower. And I noticed that I can do it later that day and again and again, it's just rinse, wash and repeat. Well, and quick wins, like you said, it's like when you have all the tabs open in the computer and you wanna just, you gotta close one or two. I think being able to just take that breath and like when you do things that feel like quick wins versus like, oh man, I suck at this. And you're just then again in a negative story. Um, that doesn't feel good. That's not going to help you in the moment. Like if you're having anxiety, if you're feeling stressed out, waiting in line and you're in rush, like taking that moment. I love the profound like thought of like, this could be my last breath. Like, I don't know that anybody takes things to the extreme like that in order to like get recentered. So I think, thank you for that. That's, it was, that's a big one. You're so welcome. Thank you for reflecting that back, Jessica. And to your point, the reason I think I'm not suicidal and depressed anymore. And then I'm one of the happiest people I know is because for me, this happiness thing was life and death. And so, because it's interesting, the first half of my life, I would think about death incessantly and it drove me to suicide. The second half of my life, I think about death just as incessantly, but it no longer drives me to want to commit suicide. It makes me feel really alive. Like, oh, Rob, now, now is life. Now is the time to love and to live and to enjoy. Don't wait, don't procrastinate, don't put it off. Now, now. That suffering was a gift. You didn't even know you were suffering through the gift in order to get to that place because so many people, myself included, like I don't have that huge high or low. Like I'm more of like even keel, like there's things that take me out, but like to be able to think so like concretely, like this could be it, like be as present as possible. like man, no wonder you're thriving right now. So what would you say is like a skill set that, you, or, or just something, I mean, obviously with this backstory we've had that makes you so unique and successful at what you do? Um, I guess I don't think I'd do it. So mm -hmm. um, I, I think Mother Teresa put it like, I wanna be God's microphone or God's pencil. Um, and you don't have to believe in God. It can be life or universes, whatever it is that brought us into this life or this world and will take us out of this world. Whatever it is, this universal intelligence that hangs the earth on nothing, rotates it on its axis, revolves it around this super hot star we call a sun, just far enough, but also just close enough to not burn us up and freeze us. Freeze us. Like whatever that is, yeah. that is responsible for my life. And when I'm at my best, I'm just a transparency for that. So I do what I can. Of course, I use my brain and I use my hands to create things or to share things or whatnot, but I'm crystal clear that of, a, of my own self, I'm nothing. I don't, I, you know, and, and that doesn't mean that I'm self-loathing. It means that I'm confident, self-confident in a way that is greater than just what I think I can do with my human hands and my human brain, right? And so I just feel like, I guess I'm co-creating with the universe, with life, with God, and then at my best, when I'm tapped into and didn't turned on and I'm not thinking too much, worrying too much or trying to script and plan and plot everything, something better and more blissful happens through me. And that's what I feel like those car talks, the book, all the things that come out of you so free flowing, just like you must be channeling. There's gotta be moments where mm -hmm. it's you, but it's also something's coming to you to share those thoughts because even the way you live, like I feel like people who are tapped in, like they, they get those profound, just, you know, 
tangents, if you will, of, of things that really are, are coming through them to be shared. And yeah, that is definitely what is unique about you because it seems so effortless when you get on there. There is a sense of confidence and confidence is something um, I coach a lot around and it, it it's something I love helping people with, but it's also, you know, I'm always looking for better ways to help people feel more confident. And I think, I didn't even think about being more happy would make you feel more confident. Oh, it's so good. I love that so much. You're absolutely right about that. Um, when you're happy, you are at your creative best, you're at your problem solving best, and you are most confident. And actually, if you read, not you, but any of us reads more into the science around happiness, you'll find that happiness does make you best at whatever it is you're doing. So a good example, flow state, and you talked about this flow state, right? So flow state, psychological phenomenon, artists, musicians, athletes, creative types, all of us have moments in our lives or our day when we're in flow state. That means you're so tapped in, tuned in, turned on, absorbed, engaged, and immersed in what you're doing that you don't have a lot of time or interest to evaluate how you're doing, right? Mm-hmm. And so there's a loss of time consciousness and a loss of self-consciousness. In other words, you're just having a great all time and you're like 500 to 1000% more effective, efficient, and efficacious than whatever you happen to be doing, right? We all want to spend more time in this flow state, right? Well, Happiness is one way of describing flow state. When you're tapped into and didn't turn on, you're at your best, right? But you're also enjoying your life to the utmost, right? And so all of us really are wanting to spend more of our lives in that flow-like state where we feel extraordinarily confident, but also effective and efficient and deeply peaceful and alive and joyful. And connected. And I feel like what you said before when you first started about not knowing like your purpose and like not being super clear on what you were here to do and for it's like I know I'm kind of going through like a pivot and a shift with my business too I've been a behind the chair stylist for 20 years I own a salon here in San Diego and two years ago I was like there's got to be more like this is great I feel super successful in this world but I don't there wasn't that sense of you know I wasn't getting my needs met and it was years of giving everyone else what they well what will I do if you leave who will do my hair and I'm like somebody else you know don't you want more for me and it was like been that moment where I was like okay I have to do this for myself and see what else and kind of find my way and it's I think people get so scared to leave like a bubble because they don't know what their purpose is they don't know what necessarily they could be passionate about so Mm. do you get a lot of clients that come to you like I'm not happy because of my job or I'm not happy because my marriage like you know how, how do you, encourage, yes. and like you said, you don't tell them what to do. I know it's a great, you know. So, so you know, I mean, just, it's, it's like such great questions, really great questions. Like, so yes, it's interesting. When I became a happiness coach, I assumed people would call me up or email me, text me, whatever, and ask me for help because they were unhappy. But I've discovered that's a very few number of people that ever do that. In 20 years I've been doing this work, most people call me up and say, my husband has a problem. My wife has a problem. My lack of boyfriend is the problem. My lack of girlfriend is the problem. Like my lack of money is a problem. I get it, you know, and I want all those people to have everything they want. Most of which of course is happiness. And by the way, if you can get happy with all the stuff you want, you tend to get the stuff you want much more easily, but that's, you know, beside the point. A whole other podcast. That's a whole other podcast, right? So all that being said, yes. And also, so my encouragement, gen, you know, um, generally with those folks is, you know, there's a great quote and I'll never get it right, but it's basically like, don't worry about what the world needs or what anybody else needs. Ask yourself, you know, or even a partner needs, ask yourself what makes you come alive because what the world needs more than anything else is people who have come alive, who sort of become on fire, right? And that fire and that light spreads across the world. And so that is my encouragement. It's like, it's easy to kind of like trim around the edges and, and ask yourself, oh, what do I want here and here and here? But the challenge and the opportunity is to dive deeper into discovering what you, what makes you come alive, right? That's part of the reason that I describe those happiness irons because you can use that as a starting point. But we each have an inner purpose and an outer purpose. And the inner purpose, we all share, it's happiness. We just want to be at peace. We want to feel self-love and we want to be happy. And you don't have to use the word happy, you can use a different word. But we all have different outer purposes, which is the expression of that inner purpose, right? And that could be a race car driver, it could be a hairstylist, it could be a basketball player, whatever. But if you do not fulfill your inner purpose, which is happiness, even if you fulfill your outer purpose, you'll still be miserable. Mm, Say that again. Yeah, if you do not fulfill your inner purpose, which is happiness, 
even if you fulfill your outer purpose, you'll still be miserable. You know, you'll still be unhappy. Now, on the flip side, if you don't fulfill, even if you don't fulfill your outer purpose, but you fulfill your inner purpose, which is happiness, you'll still be happy even if you didn't ever discover what your outer purpose was, right? So, yeah, right. So go for the prize, yeah. right? Go for the cake. And I promise the icing will be added later. That's what happened to me. I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do for a living. I don't know what I'm going to do for a career. I'll do stuff to pay the bill for now. But this happiness thing feels like it's more urgent. I need to figure this out. So I figured that out. And then everything else started to unfold behind that, right? So get your inner purpose um, straight. Prioritize that first. And the outer purpose will tend to fall into place. I just got my money's worth. I didn't even have to pay to be here. And I will tell you. <laughs> Sometimes that's the thing about, you know, tuning into listening to positive propaganda. That's why I'm such an advocate for reading books that are going to support that and watching things that are going to support the goal that you want, which either is peace, happiness, joy, like all of those things. And um, staying around people like Rob or people that motivate you, whether you know them or you don't know them. Um, I feel like people are like, oh, I don't have those type of people in my life. Well, go find them, go find them because they're not going to find you, especially if your energy is down here, they're not going to radiate down to you. You have to go put yourself around people who are bringing that kind of energy and, and you'll start to um, emulate what they're doing because you want to be like that. That's right. The well doesn't seek water, right? Right. right? Like if you want water, you've got to go to the well, right? So the well, and it doesn't seek people. You know, it's sort of like, you're absolutely right about that. Um, yeah, you have to seek it out intentionally and you'll be surprised. Things will, and people will start showing up in the most random of places. If you're just paying attention, I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've been to a gym or a grocery store or whatever, and I've had some thought in my mind and I bump into someone, you know, maybe someone I don't even know, a stranger. And all of a sudden it's like, oh my gosh, you just spoke to the next book I need to read or you just spoke to something I need to remember. And so really teachers and masters, um, are all around us. I agree. So, okay. So you just touched on something. Now we've just come off a crazy year with the world being closed for so long. Um, and your, your industry is being on TV. You are a guest in so many shows that are out right now. What, what have you done in order to, I know that probably brings you a lot of joy and a lot of fulfillment by being able to contribute to such big shows and to write to books and go around talking about all that you do. Um, what is bringing you joy right now? What is keeping you in that happiness state? Yeah, this conversation. I mean, I honestly, I enjoy this conversation um, as much as, if not more than anything else in my life. This is what I live for. I mean, when I was, you know, eight and 12 and then 17 and 25, like, it's all I wanted. I just wanted to have this conversation, you know, from a genuine place. Uh, not because I need to be um, celebrated or I need to teach and preach to people. Not that, you know, it's like, I just want to be happy and connecting with like-minded, like-hearted, like-souled people like yourself is for me, complete happiness, you know? Um, I would also say, you know, like, so outside this conversation or conversations like this, um, for me, it's when I'm not thinking a whole lot, man. You know, like I enjoy my thoughts, I do. And especially if I get those downloads, I'm like, oh, that's a good one. Let me put that in there. It definitely didn't come from me. I don't know where it came from, but I'm gonna, you know, write it down. And um, I love those moments, but I will say that like, you know that moment when you're in bed late at night and you're so tired, you can barely move and you're all out of thoughts for the day and you're just about to slip off to sleep. You're so relaxed, but you're just barely awake. And it's just so beautiful. It's so pure and it's peace and it's joy. And like, you just feel like this warmth and this love. It's like that, that that's my experience of like meditation or what I call practicing the presence. That for me is the most sublime happiness that exists. And I've noticed there's not really any thoughts there. And if there are thoughts there, they're very simple thoughts, right? So. For me, that's what brings me the most amount of happiness. Um, you know, or I could call that maybe maybe that is happiness itself. Um, but yeah, for sure. And so I find all kinds of different ways to kind of weave that into my life. And I love exercise, and you know, I love spending time with people. But I would say that it's that faceless, formless, thoughtless, wordless, infinite, eternal, peaceful aliveness inside that when I'm aware of is happiness, and when I'm not aware of it. I call it unhappiness, but it's still there. <laughs> it's still there. I just call it something different. Well, your baseline is higher than most people's like top, top, top. So it's like you've gotten to your, yourself to a place where even if it's not your version of the happiest version of Rob, like it's still a, a pretty good space to be at. Um, okay. So what is some of the best advice you've ever been given? Yeah. Like, you know, just and some random questions so we can just get some more knowledge from you. Yeah. Um, 
Oh, so the first thing I'll say to preface that answer is the only thing freely given and never taken is unsolicited advice. <laughs> so, right. So unsolicited advice, I'm, I'm where I don't offer unsolicited advice. That's the first thing. I'm very careful about that. Um, the other thing is, is that um, every piece of advice I've ever given is ultimately and only really meant for me. Right. So even in coaching sessions and when people are asking me actively, I do whatever I can to remind myself that whatever I'm telling this person, it's really meant for me. Right. Cause like, I don't know if they'll get it or not. I don't know if they even need it or not, but I know I do. I resonate so hard with that. And I, that's one of the reasons I have fallen in love with the coaching process with my clients now is like, every time you teach, you like relearn. And, and that's like, every time you share, you're like, take your own advice, do it for you. Like that's the, oh, that's so good. That, thank you for reminding me of that. You're welcome. Um, one other, two other things I mentioned. One is um, if you take care of the present, the present will take care of the future or if you take care of the present, the future will take care of itself. I love that. Um, and the other one is a Course in Miracles quote, which I just love, which is um, that which is threatened is not real. That which is real cannot be threatened. Herein lies the peace of God. Mm. So, and otherwise, if it can be threatened, it's not real, mm -hmm. right? And that which is real can't be threatened. And herein lies the peace of God. So, um, yeah, I can sort of let that one sit for a while. It might take a while to kind of marinate, but. I feel like that goes along with something a little more crass that I say sometimes. Which <laughs> what's that? Yeah, what's that? You can't fuck up something that's meant for you. Boom, right? Yeah. That's right. If it's meant for you, it doesn't miss you. If it misses you, it wasn't meant for you. It yeah. wasn't meant for you, yeah. And if it is, it'll come back around. So have faith. Love. Uh, Love. Okay, what's one thing, like a thing thing, that people value that you don't, like you don't care about? The no. past. The past, okay. Yeah, I don't, you know, I don't have a, I don't even, I don't even particularly like looking at pictures of the past. I don't like talking about the past. Thinking, you know, it's like, you know, there are moments, I mean, I will entertain it. And I just don't have a, it's just like, um, nah, just like, not so much, you know, and um, the future a little bit, not so much the future either. I mean, I like talking about it here and there, but I try to stay rooted in the present. I really genuinely do. Um, the other thing is the news and gossip. Like, I just, I don't care. If there's something I can do about it and be helpful, I'm down, but I don't go read the news. I don't go look for, I don't care what other people are doing. I don't, you know, it's like, it's something cool, like ex exciting or inspiring. Yeah, that's cool. But I don't, you know, so-and-so said this or did this. It's like, I don't, okay. I yeah. guess they did. Yeah. No, I, I just, one of my girlfriends was going on a rant this morning on her Instagram about someone told her she lives in a box because she doesn't watch the news. And, um, you know, she got her ass on Instagram to talk about it. I love, love her for that. Yeah. And she's like, how dare you say I live in a box. You're watching all the negative shit. What are you doing about it? Like, are you contributing to fixing whatever it is you now know about? Like, you know about it now, what are you going to do? And I was like listening to her and I'm like, I don't know how I feel about what you're saying, but I <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't really watch the news either. So I was like, I get, you get a lot from Instagram. And plus I have clients that come in. Many of my clients are well over 60, 70, 80 years old. And let me tell you, they fill me in. Like, I don't have to watch news every six weeks when Deb comes in, Deb tells me everything I need to know about. I knew, I knew Trump's, you know, hair. I mean, I knew everything. <laughs> so it's one of the beautiful things about my career. Like I literally know a little bit about every single thing there possibly is to know. It's crazy. Okay. So I want to do like fun fun questions to end the show and I want to honor your time so we have a few more minutes if that's okay I love it I, you know I talked to you for hours so yeah <laughs> cool <laughs> well we'll have to do this again what is your favorite word probably two words peaceful aliveness but I would say yeah it's probably peace okay peace is mine peace was the goal um for me when I sat in front of my breathwork um teachers and they were like what do you want to feel and I was like, all of this stuff was coming up. And I was like, peace. I just want to feel at peace. And, and the peace you and I are talking about is not a funeral dirge. It's more like a festival of lights. It's an alive peacefulness, right? It's an alive peace. Ocean with your toes in the sand kind of a like, yes. Like, a, I'm a, like that feeling you get, like you said before bed, where nothing else really matters at that moment. It's like, you're not really feeling anything, but you're feeling everything. Yeah. Boom. Oh. Good. Okay. What is one thing you're not very good at, Rob? Because I feel like you're good at a lot of shit. Oh boy, so many things. It's funny when I first meet a client, I always tell them, <laughs> "I know." So the one thing, cooking. Cooking. Not a great cook. 
Not a great cook. That's okay. You live in a great. Great place. at warming things up still, but. Yeah. You can order in with the best of them. Yeah, okay. yeah. If you could have one superpower, what would it be? I feel like you already have some, so. Mm. I do owe you some money. Uh, presents. Presents. Yeah, just um. Yeah, just to live there, right? Like I love that. I want to get on that island. Yeah. Okay. If you could only eat one thing for the rest of your life, what would it be? Probably sushi. Ooh, that mixes it up because that's not narrowing it down. Way to get more in there. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I, I did. I kind of cheated that one. <laughs> cheater, like a real cheater, like honest cheater. Okay, yeah. what's the most exciting thing you have going in your life right now? Mm. Um, a couple, t- uh, couple t- TV projects that are currently being pitched and hopefully sold. We'll see. Can you talk about any of them? Can you give us like a little hint, hint? Yeah, it's, um, so there's, let's see, there's... Um, two that are like about psychologists and coaches therapists and kind of what happens behind the scenes and there's one there's two and there's two on love and there's one that's a kind of a morning show kind of thing fun fun yeah. so explain because i know you had a little bit of a modeling career how did that oh. lead into you yeah i know I, I scoped you out don't worry how did that lead into you getting your first gig on tv like who who opened the door for you who were you knocking on whose door was like tell me about that a little bit before I yeah leave. so great question so I was working as a management consultant, loved the people, hated the work, really hated the work. Eventually, living in Philadelphia, I decided because I was so miserable and I was trying to be happier that I should just do the opposite of everything I was doing. So I, I literally, I, that's all I knew. I was like, I'm going to move to Florida, move to Florida. Um, I went to business school so that I could make that all happen, like so I could still work for the management consulting firm, but work from a virtual office. And then at some point in time, I was like, this consulting thing, not right for me. So left the consulting world. And then I went and in order, oh, I know. I'm walking down Lincoln Road in Florida, in South Beach. And I'm like, oh no, I need to find a job. I'm going to run out of money here soon. And lo and behold, I run into this stranger, this guy, and he says, hey, you ever been a model before? And I thought for sure he's pulling my leg because I'm like, I'm the wor- I'm the ugliest, you know, in my head, I'm like the ugliest person. This can't happen. He's definitely going to, you know, making fun of me or something so i was like no no i was nice to him but he gave me a card and said hey if you ever want come in the agency another week goes by running into somebody else and same kind of thing happens so finally i'm like let me go check him out so i go to this agency and i started this modeling career first with michelle pommier and then wilhelmina and then la models and all and so in that process of 10 years i eventually booked this gig on it's called south beach and I was playing opposite Vanessa Williams. I was like her model boyfriend. They're supposed to be abusive. It was like hard for me to pull that off. And, and so in any case, um, I started, you know, she and I just connected. And then she actually, when she heard that I had a book, said, hey, Rob, I'll be happy to I'll write the forward to your book. And in the process, so in the process of me doing this modeling thing, TV stuff, then people came to know me as a happiness coach, really a relationship coach in the entertainment field. So people would reach out. But the first person who actually gave me an opportunity to do any TV was Kino McGregor. Kino was, is the founder and owner of Miami Life Center. It was a yoga, a yoga sort of a health and wellness center. And she's like one of the youngest female um, Ashtanga yoga masters in the world. And she just referred me to a local TV show in Florida. I did my first interview. I spoke way too fast. <laughs> I was so nervous. And then from there, things just kind of began, um, you know, slowly but surely picking up steam. That's amazing. How cool is that? So uh, along your way after school, have you had any mentors or programs you've been a part of that, that have helped you elevate your career in your life? I haven't had any formal mentors. Um, one of my, I guess, initial mentors probably was this guy, Bruce Rogel. He was a partner at the consulting firm I was working at the time. And probably just a couple weeks into my job, you know, he's a partner. So now I was an analyst. So for a partner to say, hey, analyst, Rob, he talked to me. I thought I was fired. I was like, definitely fired. Why would he talk to me right now? I'm definitely fired, you know. But he said, hey, have you ever um, heard of these folks, Abraham Hicks? And I was like, I hadn't heard of them. I'm like, no. He's like, here's a, why don't you check out this book? He gave me that. It was Sarah and the Foreverness of Friends of a Feather. When I looked it up, I found out it was a children's book. So I thought, oh, you must think I'm really just slow. Maybe my reading ability is like, you know, much lower than it should be. And he's just, I don't know. You know what I mean? I was like, oh my gosh, I felt really... So I picked up the book, I read it, and it introduced me to Abraham Hicks. And Abraham Hicks has the most incredible law of attraction teachings, um, really the, the OGs in that space. Yeah. 
Um, but then that led me to Eckhart Tolle and all these other virtual mentors. Um, but I've had a lot of real life mentors, just not official or formal ones, sure. just okay. all kinds of people along the path who have just guided me and given me direction. I love that. So can you give us a few people that you kind of read and follow like Eckhart or like you just said Abraham Hicks? I think a lot of people know some names, but like, can you give us a couple of your top favorites that people can dive into after they get off of this? Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's like choosing an organ <laughs> or a favorite kid, yeah, but I'll, it's right? yeah. Yeah, but I'll try. So, um, love Eckhart Tolle, love Muji, love Rupert Spira. I love Marianne Williamson, still a return to love and a gift to change. Still two of my favorite books. Um, Rama Krishna. I love Ramana Maharshi. Oh my gosh. Ramana Maharshi is fantastic. Um, Joel Goldsmith, every book Joel Goldsmith's ever written has written dozens of books. Um, I love Epictetus. So some of the Stoic philosophers, um, Seneca, I like, um, who else? Oh, Meditations by Marcus Aurelius. Still one of my favorite books. Um, but yeah, uh, I'd say those are probably my favorite. I'm sure I left out a few. You're going to have to make me a short list that I could add to the show notes so people can come back and follow this. And so they can just add that to their list of books to read for the next two years. <laughs> I will. No problem. Yeah. Yeah. I was reading a book a day for years. Just so oh I, I feel bad. You know, nobody needs to do that. It was overkill, but uh, yeah. No, I, I think honestly, like if you, if you guys are, if anyone's feeling that feeling that Rob felt years ago, if you're feeling stuck, if you're feeling frustrated, if you're feeling like you just don't have the answers, um, go inward with books. I mean, find what other people have done that have worked because these are the greats that have helped themselves and then helped other people. And I think um, when, when we can't figure stuff out, like don't be so hard on yourself that you have to know all the answers. It's not up to you to figure it all out, but go, the education is there, the people are there, resources are there. Um, and, and speak about it, talk about it, ask for the help that you need. It's not, it's, it's not embarrassing, it's not, the biggest struggle I know in, even in my coaching business is people asking for help, whether it's, I don't know how to write this paper is something, or I don't know what to do with my life. Like there's, there's no shame in asking for help and you won't get the help unless you speak up and ask for it. So. Oh, it's so true. And I'll just say being on the other side of that fence, like when someone asks me for help, particularly around something that I've experienced myself, Oh, it's a gift for me. It's a gift for me. I get to live my purpose out through this person who's asking for help. So please know you're not putting anybody out by asking for help. You're actually doing them a great service and you're offering them an incredible gift. I couldn't have said it better. Thank you for saying that. I appreciate that. Okay, we are definitely gonna come back. I'm gonna make you book again on the show because I think I think I'd have you as a regular on the show. That would be amazing. I'm so down. You let me know. I'm so into this. This is like seriously um, a dream come true. I've always wanted to be able to have these conversations. So to provide a space to have this conversation and show up in the loving, lit up way that you do, it's just incredible and I'm so inspired. So thank you. Thank you. If you guys love this podcast, you better repost it and share with your friends because that way I can get Rob to come back a few more times in the show. It would mean the world if you could rate and review the podcast. Tell us what you think and tag us in your takeaways from this episode. And we will see you guys on the next one. Thanks,